composer Mary Louise Knudsen has performed with many jazz greats, Dizzy Gillespie, Bobby McFerrin, Diane Reeves, Randy Brecker, and was a finalist in the Kennedy Center's Mary Lou Williams Women in Jazz International Pianist Competition. Mary Louise maintains a busy touring schedule with her own group and her steady gig with Doc Severinsen, all while expanding her reach with her own compositions. I met with Mary Louise in her native Minneapolis to record the following conversation. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Mary Louise has played for years with Doc Severinsen, who made his name leading the band on Johnny Carson's Tonight Show. Like many showbiz breaks, her initial connection with Doc was quick, but the solidifying of that connection took a bit longer. Doc is a blast to be around. Um, he seems like he'd be a blast <laughs> yeah. to be around. He's so funny and he's just casual and down to earth and, you know, nothing false about him. He's just a regular guy. Um, I met him back in 2010 when I started, um, well, I, did, I shouldn't say started. I was hired by the Minnesota Orchestra to accompany him um, on a Christmas show. Um, and Doc, for many years, had been the pops conductor for the Minnesota Orchestra. And But I had never played with him, had never been hired for any of those shows up until 2010. And uh, so I got the call and went and did the show. We had a whole weekend full of shows. And at the end, a uh, stage manager came to get me and um, said, Doc wants to see you in his office. Oh. And I was nervous. <laughs> I immediately thought, what did I do wrong? Isn't and, that awful that yeah. we go to that place yeah. automatically? Yeah. I was just like, what is he going to say? I mean, okay, I, you know, everything started filing through my mind about the show. Like, oh, was it this tune? Was it that tune? What, what is he going to say? Of course, whatever he was going to say, I was going to take and, and you know, it was going to be good advice, whatever he was going to tell me. And uh, so I went to the office and, uh, or his, I should say, his green room and um, he was hanging out, talking with fans and I was just standing off to the side, you know, waiting for my moment to have him tied and want to interrupt and and he just stopped talking to whoever he was talking and he just said, Hey, you did a great job. You want to go on tour with me? And it's fantastic. I, I couldn't believe it. It was f the farthest, the furthest thing from what I had imagined. And I couldn't, you know, I was trying to contain my excitement. Um, I was just so happy with the offer. And I said, well, I'll check my schedule. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have my people yeah. call your people. Yeah. I said, yeah, I, I probably could do that. And he said, well, I'll be in touch. And so, um, he, um, I didn't hear from him. I, you know, I like was looking at my schedule going, I hope I can make this work. And there were some things that I was And you were teaching about. full time then, or well, were you? I was, I've always had, you know, sort of teaching on the side mm. as well as my gigs, but, um, I didn't hear from him for a while. And, and I thought, oh, this was just an offer that was too good to be true. You know, it's, it's nothing's going to happen. And, I did hear from uh, him again in the summer. He came back to Minneapolis and played a show, and we did that. And then, and um, how and much that was, time had been between? That was like from a Christmas show until like till the June summer. or July, uh -huh. yeah. 
And then, um, and then uh, that show went by. This was a, a big band show. Um, and then another six months went by and he came back and did his Christmas show again in 2011. And I just thought, well, it really was too good to be true. But um, at that Christmas show, he said, I'm so sorry I haven't been in touch. He said, I just couldn't get any dates. And so he said, I got some dates now. And he said, what I want you to do is I need your help. I need you to help me put together a big band. And I thought, what? You want me to help you? And of course, I I thought I'll do whatever is needed here. I'll I'll you know I'll I know a lot of players. He said I want to put it together a tour that um, starts from Minneapolis and we'll do um, you know a whole Midwest tour and um and who knows what we'll do from there but that's what i want to do and and so in my mind i'm thinking i'm going to do this i'm going to help him for sure i want anything to keep the gig you know and in the back of my head i thought well my boyfriend michael nelson who is a great trombonist he's he's played in a ton of you know horn sections and he leads a horn section and he he can help me out so we actually, um, or I went home with this idea in mind, and soon thereafter, Doc was calling me on the phone saying, well, now let's talk about the, the trumpet section. I want this kind of trumpeter, and uh, I want this kind of lead alto player. And I started going, oh, my God, he's got really specific needs. And that's when I thought, Doc, I need to put you on the phone with my boyfriend. Um, you know, I have to tell you, he's a great player and all of this. And and from there, actually, um, uh, Doc asked, you know, us to come up with a, a group of players that would be great for a tour. And um, uh, Michael put together the horn section. And uh, I, I, you know, we had some trouble and we ended up, uh, hiring some folks from um, from other parts of the country, but um, we ended up doing that Midwest tour and continued doing tours, um, you know, on on both coasts. And we've been touring for the last uh, five or six years now. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. My guest is pianist Mary Louise Knutson. In my mind, I always want to be prepared for everything, you know. Yeah. And, and, you know, sometimes afraid to step out if I'm not prepared. Mm. And then it's wonderful when you have those moments where you can't 
really prepare and you find out, you know, uh, what your strengths are and, you know, what you can actually do without the preparation. Oh, that's you know? a nice way to look at yeah. it too. But I think it's because you're so prepared. <laughs> <laughs> that you have these skills. Maybe that's it. Well, yeah, but yeah. That, that's the jazz thing, mm-hmm. is having all that yeah. together. And we'll talk about your CD in the bubble. This CD is actually a little bit patterned after my first CD. The first CD had, um, it's called Call Me When You Get There, and it had um, it had half originals on it and half standards on it. And I thought that was a good combination of material because usually you see people when they're buying CDs or looking at CDs, they're looking at the back, looking at the song choices. And if they don't recognize any titles, <laughs> then they, they're they a little confused and maybe don't know if it's the right you know thing to buy. And, and so I thought, I want people to know who I am. I need to do originals. But I also need a way to get people to hear my music mm. and that way. And so by putting standards on, on the recording, uh, I figured uh, it would be an opening. It would entice people to buy the record and, and take a listen, you know, and, and it would be familiar. And yet I could put something uh, new in front of them as mm-hmm. well. And so that's how the second album is um is designed as well. Um, both albums are trio, piano, bass, and drums. And um, and so I have half originals and half standards. It's it. interesting yeah. as you're saying this, I hadn't thought about it, which it's obvious, but also the standards you choose mm-hmm. are interesting too to tell people even stylistically if they're not familiar mm. with you. Right. right. You may take, do it, you could do Ain't Misbehaving and do it totally out version. You could, yeah. And surprise them. Yeah, yeah. But that would tell you something about the person if they took that or if they did a Tad Dameron tune or something. Right, you know, right, that would be a different sure. that I consider those standards too. Yeah. But those yes. are a different kind of standard. Mm-hmm. That would tell you, oh, they're in that direction. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't thought of that. So that's an interesting thing. And and you saying that I'm wondering today how that's changed because this is something that I've been thinking about recently because I told you I just did mm-hmm. a CD of all originals, right. which I wouldn't have done yeah. because I'm one of those people who doesn't want a CD of all originals. I'm like your customer that sure. you're talking about. Sure. Uh, usually, unless it's someone I know, if it were, you know, Dave Frischberg doing a thing of all originals, I'd expect it to be all originals. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Someone you know. Yes, yeah, someone you know, exactly. But and I already know them. To, to take that chance on, yeah. a new, on a new person's original music, mm-hmm. you know. Has that mindset changed a bit in the last few years, do you think? Just because the jazz world has changed, and I've seen it, you've seen it, we've been doing it long Mm -hmm. enough that we've seen the change. It used to be that they wanted all standards. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And now, because my audience has changed, because as I've gotten older, my audience has gotten younger, Mm I find a lot of them expect originals because they come from a different mindset. They, they're even if they're thinking pop music, everybody's doing quote yeah. originals. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Do you find that, or do you find that still your audience really wants those standards, or is it a mix, or what is it? I'm asking you for myself yeah. because I don't know. I'm starting to see a, a shift, but definitely my right. fans in person when they mm-hmm. come to hear me, if they're especially under thirty five, right. 
They say one original. They Sounds always, if I do one original, that will be their favorite. And well, I'm I know glad to hear that. Well, yeah, I know it's I'm not because I'm Harold Arland. It's they come up and say, I really felt I got to know you. Huh. That's was their mindset. Well, that, so I'm curious about that. That's interesting. I, I think, you know, when someone's right there and they're already there, you know, with you, I think they're open. I mean, they're sitting in a club. They've already paid they actually, they haven't seen the set list yet. <laughs> so they've already paid their money and you're, they're going to get what they get. So they have to sit there. And, and so, you know, they're, I think with a CD, they're looking at it and wondering, they're looking at the set list and they're wondering whether to spend that money or not. That's interesting. You know, um, but the one thing that occurred to me was the thought that Aside from performing, I think our ways of listening to music have changed uh, the format or the way that we get music. You know, um, uh, for instance, I just bought a new car and I now can listen to Pandora um, on my car uh, stereo. And um, so what's happening is uh, Pandora runs a random uh, you know, set list. Uh, you can't choose what music you want, but it just, you pick a station and it comes to you. And uh, so I'm hearing all sorts of music all the time and and it's different. Well, I mean, this is just like regular radio anyway, but, but I think listening to a, a radio type station is different than listening to a CD. I find it refreshing just to hear new stuff on right, the radio, right, you know, right, right, right. but, but if I'm going to purchase something, you know, that's, that's different. That's a, that's a little different yeah. thing, I guess. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. And, it and again, it tells you the direction.
My guest, pianist Mary Louise Knudsen on Bernie's Tune from her CD, In the Bubble. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. One of the things that's fun for me on this show is asking people to bring me music and see what their choices are, uh-huh. because it's so hard, especially for musicians, mm-hmm. to narrow it down, which oh, I'm sure was hard was for you. so hard. <laughs> because I so asked for such hard. a short yes. list. Yeah. But you only brought one vocalist, and that was very interesting that that was your choice, which Mm. I really love that Mm. you did this. So talk about Nancy Wilson and this particular track, Mm. which is so beautiful. Well, I love Nancy Wilson, and I do love vocalists as well. Um, I actually accompany a lot of vocalists in my freelance life. but Nancy Wilson paired with Cannonball Adderley and his group, you know, this was, um, this track came from the the album called Nancy Wilson and Cannonball Adderley. And I, at one point said this was my desert island pick, uh, you know, and yeah. I thought, um, you know, Nancy's voice is so layered and, and so emotional and so interesting and textured and and she really communicates um so well beautifully you know there's so much meaning in her lyrics when she sings you know and um and i just enjoyed uh, in particular that, that album the it was sort of like going to a concert. I was hearing, you know, some vocals and some instrumentals. It was like the perfect balance of the two. I think somewhere in me there's a vocalist, but but I I am not going to sing <laughs> for the public. Actually, when I first started my career, I did sing and play, and I decided not to at some point. I had a, a an okay voice, but I decided not to because I think my first voice was really piano. And um, people started saying, you know, Mary Louise Knutson, the singer. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. Uh, that's that's not who I identify myself as. You know? I'm laughing because as yeah. a woman pianist, yeah. they all oh. think of us as vocalists. Right, right. And I got so defensive about it that I kept saying no. And I started being like, isn't it enough that I play? Yeah, I mean, right. in my mind, I was yeah. thinking that. Yeah. And when I finally did start singing just a little bit, someone came up afterwards, you know, somewhere and said, oh, you're Judy Carmichael, the singer. And my guitarist was standing next to me and I said, no, yeah. I'm a pianist. And he leaned over and said, actually, you do sing now. And I was, I had such a prejudice against it. So I know yeah, exactly yeah, they yeah. automatically assume you sing. Exactly. Yeah. And even to this day. To this day, I would think, right? To this day, for sure. And I even will play an entire concert on piano and at the end, someone will say, I enjoyed hearing you sing tonight. Oh, so that's happened to you too? Yes. Oh, they infer You've that had... you sing. No, people yeah. have told me how much. I had somebody at a party once get, he'd had a few drinks, so we'll say that helped that. <laughs> but he started talking about my singing, and this is before I sang. Yeah. And I said, well, actually, I don't sing. And the other person said, oh, you don't sing? And I said, no. And he argued with me that how great my singing was. Wow. And so finally I just said, well, it's not primarily what I do. (laughs) How do you get out of that? Yeah, how do you get out of it? That's interesting. So you did sing but decided against it. Yep, yep. And and that's the right choice for me. I feel that when I'm playing, in a way I am singing, Mm. you know, through my... 
through my hands, I guess. No, and you can tell heart. that when you play. I you would know? say that because mm-hmm. you can tell people who are thinking that way very lyrically mm-hmm. and the way they phrase. And you said something about this track that I really thought about when I was listening to it, that that the singing is part of the whole. You said mm-hmm. it was like being there in person. But this reminded me that my favorite recordings of vocalists, they always seem completely integrated. I mm-hmm. don't think that there is a vocalist mm-hmm. with accompaniment. Right. Yeah. I think it's all together. Yeah. It's just they're all musicians. Yes. It, yeah. And so that Nancy, really struck for me. sure, is a, a wonderful musician. Yeah. She fits right in, for sure. Your eyes Don't shine Like they used to shine And the thrill is gone When you Meet mine I'm afraid The masquerade Is over And so is love And so is love Your words don't mean what they used to mean. They were once despised, now they're just. I'm afraid The masquerade is over And so is love And so is love I guess I'll have to play Pagliacci and get myself a clown's disguise and then I'll learn to laugh like Pagliacci Tears here in my eyes. You look, you look the same. You're a lot the same. But my heart says no. No, you're not 
you're not the same I'm afraid The masquerade is over All over And so is love Speaking of your originals, talk about In the Bubble, because I love that. Oh, Yeah, you. talk about thank that. You. Talk about just what you were thinking, what you think about when you're composing, and just that track. Well, that's, that's an interesting track. Um, it's also the title track of my CD, uh, my latest CD. Um, interesting. I, I was on a vacation once, and, and I rarely take a vacation without my keyboard, actually, because there's always something I need to prepare um, when I, uh, for when I get back in town. And, and I, was, I was just uh, taking a little time to compose while I was on vacation, and, and um, I was just fooling around with this little riff, and, <laughs> and um, it, it was just something, and I just wrote it down, and it was just something that sat there for a long period of time. And I came back to it at one point months later and and composed this tune. And I and I was really thinking it feels very happy, uh, joyful, and I really want to be in this place of pleasure, joy, ease. Um, and I... I hope that'll come across to the audience as well. And from from there, a few months later, I took a trip to Costa Rica with my boyfriend and a couple other people. And we had the best time ever. Um, You know, sometimes vacations, you know, they can be a real disaster, you know, but this was like the top of all vacations, like everything worked out and everything was going so well that we thought we were like in a bubble of goodness, you know, and everything was working out so perfectly um, that we kept saying, gosh, like we're in the bubble. And so that became our mantra for the trip. We were saying, oh, we're, we're in the bubble. And I knew when I got home that that's what I was going to call the tune, in the bubble, because I think in some way by me imagining what I wanted this tune to be, that it was, you know, it was going to be easy and fun and joyful, that in some way I created that experience uh, of going on that trip. And so instead of the trip creating the inspiration for the song, I think the song created the inspiration for a wonderful trip.
my guest, pianist Mary Louise Knutson, on her composition, In the Bubble. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Our show is made possible in part with generous support from Steinway & Sons and from East Hampton Indoor Tennis, eight indoor and 20 outdoor courts in a quiet, beautiful park-like setting. Visit ehit.ws for more information. For a schedule of upcoming programs, visit our website at jazzinspired.com. You can download podcasts of Jazz Inspired free on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Email us at info at jazzinspired.com or visit us on Facebook and Twitter at Stride Queen. To find out more about my CDs and where I'm touring and to sign up for our email newsletter, visit judycarmichael.com. Additional support is provided by Jazz Times Magazine, providing entertaining and provocative coverage of the jazz scene since 1970. On the web at jazztimes.com. And check out my new CD, my first with originals, Can You Love Once More? Judy and Harry play Carmichael and Allen. Available on iTunes and at judycarmichael.com. My guest, pianist Mary Louise Knudsen, is a great admirer of Miles Davis, and in particular was inspired by his album, My Funny Valentine. That entire album was inspiring to me. Um, I remember I was a college student at the time, and I had um, really had a um, tough breakup in <laughs> with a boyfriend the previous year at college and I came back that next year still being very sad and just thinking you know um you know life is over <laughs> that's what we always think yes life is over and and all I wanted to do was sit in my dorm room which luckily I had um a single room at the time sit in my dorm room with the lights off in the darkness, maybe with one candle lit, and and listen to jazz albums, and just lay there and just ponder life, and you know maybe uh, be distracted a little by the music.
this is a perfect segue into Sea of Chi. Mm. So talk about that. Sea of Chi, well, for me, was an exploration in harmony. I just, I really love um, some of the European uh, compositions that are coming out. And I'm sorry, I can't mention any names I, I, off the top of my head. Quite all right. Yes, but... Um, you know, sort of a diversion from typical two five one kind of jazz composition, mm-hmm. and and so I wanted to uh, write a tune that was just um, headed in different directions, you know, than that harmonically, and and this one turned out to be sort of like a movie score to me in my mind. Um, it really uh, sort of creates a picture in my mind of sort of floating in the ocean and being carried by the waves. Mm. And, and sea of qi means sea of energy. Qi is a Chinese word for energy. And so um, the tune just ended up feeling a little bit floaty and, and, um, and sort of uh, telling a story of some sort. I don't know. I think, I think listeners will have to come up with their own story. Which is the best. Yes. My guest, pianist Mary Louise Knudsen, on her composition, Sea of Chi. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. 
You're also inspired by books. I love this because I've only had a couple of my guests talk about the books that they read. Yeah. And you read self-help books. <laughs> I love that yes. though because I've read business books. Yeah. Uh, I haven't in a while, but early in my mm -hmm. career, I would pick up something, and I yeah. and people thought that was crazy, and it was. It's interesting when I look back on it because people always think of musicians as these. Mm -hmm. uh, hanging out, yep. drinking, druggy, just floating with whatever might happen along and inspire us rather than being uh, more thoughtful mm -hmm. about it. Right. But basically, I was reading self-help because they were business yeah. books. Yeah, me too. I, I like reading business books. <laughs> no, too. I find that interesting. So talk yeah. about that. That's yeah. that. Um, any in particular or what got you into that? I am, for some reason, drawn to... Uh, psychology. I love it. I'm fascinated by people um, and what makes them tick and and I sort of want to know what makes me tick too. Um, I've had many years of therapy. <laughs> Not afraid to say that. I enjoyed every minute of it. <laughs> I, did. I did. That's unusual. Uh, There's usually some painful well, there parts. Well, there think. was yeah. some painful parts, but I, I you know, the I enjoyed that too. I really did. I, mm. you know, I learned a lot about myself. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I'm, I like to read um, those kinds of books. In fact, but I will say that any other kind of book I don't read. I, you know, I just I don't read for pleasure. I, I mostly read for information. Oh, that's you know? interesting. Yeah. Is, yeah. is that because you don't have the time or have you never been a person that sits I, down and it reads? It might be time. Yeah. I think if I had a lot of time, I might go, hey, it'd be great to read a good book and, and hear a story. And I'm envious of my musicians when we're on the road mm -hmm. a lot of times because mm -hmm. they'll be reading a novel, which I do love to read, mm -hmm. and I will be working. Mm -hmm. I'll be yeah. going through, I'll, I'll be editing a radio show on a oh, plane, or I'll be reading through old emails. Mm -hmm. I try to answer everything. I have answered people two years later, mm -hmm. believe it or not, and they'll yeah. go, oh my gosh, you're yeah, answering you, this email. Yeah. But it's really hard. Everybody's yeah. busy. But that's interesting. But the self-help books, you will yeah. take the time to read. For sure. And I need a lot of help. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I always feel uh, like there's something to do, you know, something to improve upon. Mm -hmm. And like you said, business books, I mean, I can always be better at my business, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, you know, and trying to figure out how I can be a better person, how I can relate to people better or how I can understand people better. Mm -hmm. Um, that's very helpful to me. It is helpful because yeah. you and I work with lots of different personalities. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the things I think that is a challenge in our business is that we're not working in an office mm -hmm. with uh, a prescribed kind of behavior. People still have to deal with different personalities. But in our case, we are gathering people who are celebrated and we've hired because of their individuality. Mm -hmm. Right. So we want to empower that, mm -hmm. but at the same time, <laughs> bring them into our vision of what we want to accomplish. Yep. Hence the phrase herding cats. <laughs> yes. Right, right, right. <laughs> so I, I'm really happy that you say that you are looking at how you improve yourself because just yesterday, this is very timely, oh, okay. I always read these little um, 
studies of human behavior, the little short things that will yeah. be that there was a study on this or the human brain. Things right, like that. Right, I right. love those things. And it just said that it's proven statistically now that the happiest people and the healthiest people are people who take responsibility for their own behavior mm. and mm. don't look to the outside world to say, well, they did that to me. Right, right. Or we hear it all the time that the jazz world is falling apart and that there nobody listens to music and you know we can go right, on and on with right. that mm-hmm. or we can look at well how are we going to reach an audience right. or something like that which brings me to your master classes and i read mm. through the different types of master classes you give and i just love the titles number 1 talk about a good business model oh, you can tell exactly you. what you're going to get oh, good. with that and one of the things that you do is just making jazz less of a mystery. Talk a little bit about that because I think that's fascinating because you're doing it now for people who are not professionals. Right, right. I give a master class called Making Sense of Jazz mm. and that's for audience members, um, non-musicians. And I learned a wonderful lesson. Well, I learn it almost after every gig. You know, how many gigs have you done where people... Uh, come up to you and just say, I don't know how you do it. You know, how, how are you guys making all that up, you know? And um, you get that question enough and you finally, you know, eventually want to tell people, you know, explain to people how this is happening. And um, people are always amazed. Um, in some ways, um, improvising and making up music, the the structure of what we do is very simple. You know, it's, you know, there's a form to, to the music and we are just following the form basically. I mean, that's, if I just tell a person that much, they're amazed. So we really are starting from scratch with a lot of people. So I think that if you're explaining it in a way that brings them in. For sure. And they don't really realize either that jazz is a language, right? You know that um, it's not mysterious. It's not mysterious, and and uh, even with my beginning impro- improvisers, people who come in for lessons with me, they don't realize that that jazz is a language either. And so I approach my teaching in saying that you know when you're a, you're a kid, you can't. Or when you're a baby, you can't say anything. So you cannot. Um, you don't have any vocabulary mm. when you're. One year, you know, one right. Old, you have to build a vocabulary. You have to build a vocabulary, and that's what I do with my jazz students too. You know, you you can't spew out a bunch of things unless you put in a bunch of things. You know, and so, um, and I talk about you know how one little lick is like a word, or um, uh, a bunch of licks strung together is like a sentence, and a bunch of you know phrase musical phrases are like uh, paragraphs. Things like that.
Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. I'm talking with pianist-composer Mary Louise Knudsen. You had mentioned to me off mic that you were adopted into your family. Was that as a baby? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And but you knew that early in life? Yeah, my parents told me, you know, as soon as I can remember yeah. that I was adopted. Yeah, and yeah. That, that had to be something that's informed many things in your life and do you think that that's had anything to do with your drive your creativity your your music anything was it a musical family did they encourage this well actually um it wasn't a musical family Mm. Uh, although we did have a piano Mm -hmm. in the house my Mm -hmm. mom did play a little bit of piano she always said she played enough to play for kindergartners because because she was a (laughs) kindergarten teacher before um before she met my dad but um, or I should say early, early in their life together. She was a kindergarten teacher. Um, so, but we did have a piano and, um, my parents were very supportive. Mm. And so if I was drawn to the piano, then they were going to support that. And so I got lessons and, um, yeah, I, in some way, I think it has informed me, um, in that, um, there's something I think that people who are adoptive, adopted sort of carry with them all of their life. And, and it's possibly the, the idea that somehow they're not good enough. Mm. And, um, you know, you think, well, why would my birth parent have given me up Mm -hmm. if I wasn't, you know, I, there must've been something wrong with Mm -hmm. me. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, you kind of, even though you know better than that, you know, your birth mother or whatever the circumstances were, they were trying to do their best. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, um, but so even though you know better, you somehow keep feeling this way you know, that, that somehow you're not good enough. So, Mm. um, I think I've spent my life trying to overcome that feeling and that even carries through, um, in my learning of music. And I talked earlier about, uh, having a lot of therapy and I think I've been trying to, um, sort of get over that feeling my entire life. And that's why I probably read a lot of self-help books too, and try to understand myself and to understand my own truth about who I am, too. Um, a lot of people grow up with, um, you know, knowing that they're genetically related to their relatives, uh, to, I should say, to their parents. And, um, and so, and they may say, well, you know, I'm interested in history because of this, or I'm interested in science because of my parents and because of my uncle, or, and they have some connection to um, 
you know, why they're interested in something. And, and if I was interested in something, I always second guessed it. I was like, I don't know why, why am I into that? Why? I don't know. Um, I certainly didn't see it in my family growing up. So where is this coming from? And so I always had to search for what was, um, you know, really who I was. And what the motivation is, because you can't take anything for granted. Right. It's all fresh. Right. It's, it's all, all fresh. original. Yeah, it's fresh. And, and um, you know, in some way, uh, I'm, I'm personally not that interested in um, in um, history, like, like, I've never been terribly interested in American history. And I wondered, well, why is that? And I always thought it was, it's because I can't connect to it. I don't know where I fit into that. Mm. And therefore, um, I feel the same in some ways about the history of jazz is like, um, I'm not so much, um, I'm not so much um, curious about where things came from as to just what is my own personal truth. Mm. So, I mean, that's pretty much all I have to go on, mm. you know, or, I mean, there's more than that in this world, obviously, but I guess that's been my motivation and it's fantastic. I think it's it's great because talk about being in the present. That's uh, it's <laughs> always so. figuring out. It doesn't sound at all self involved. It sounds like how do I take this and be my best self, which yeah. is, has become a cliche. Yeah. But it shouldn't be. Um, sometimes cliches are cliches for a reason. It, yeah. it can be a good a good thought. Right is what I'm saying, and. What I'm getting from what you're saying is that actually you've taken a certain kind of insecurity, if we can call it yes. that, mm -hmm. and and made it a great motivator for your life right. to be the, the best version of you yeah. and to keep discovering yourself, right. which is one of the things that I think is so great about an artist, an artistic life that I think everyone can lead without being a professional. And in some ways, it's more fun mm -hmm. not being a professional because you right. don't have the imperative of making money. Right. But if you're pursuing being creative, which is what I hope this show advocates, mm -hmm. is you're constantly bringing it back to see what is my true self yep. and how can I be creative with the knowledge I have at this moment, which mm -hmm. is different than the knowledge you have tomorrow and the next day and 10 years from now. Right. And that is our constant thought. Mm -hmm. So you're not going to run out of juice. People say, you know, very often people's best work is in their 20s, but not if you keep listening and keep, keep that very thought that you so eloquently put oh, forth. Thank you that you'll be doing that when you're 70 and 80 right. because you'll still be looking for that, which yeah. is really beautiful. Oh, thank you. That's fantastic. And I am so pleased that we had this time. We met a few years ago. I don't even know how many years yeah. ago before. You're also a fellow curly-headed girl. <laughs> we have a memorable picture that we took yes. with lots of hair. I'm so happy and for that. <laughs> it, was, it was great. And 
Thank you for doing this. I'm I one of the reasons I told you this before we started that I took this concert in town was so that we oh, could get thank together you. so thank I you. could have you on the show and we could do it in person. So thank you for your beautiful music and beautiful you. Thank you for taking this time. You're welcome, Judy, and thanks for having me on your show. You've been listening to my conversation with pianist-composer Mary Louise Knudsen. I hope you'll join me here next time when I talk with another creative person about how jazz has inspired their life and work. I'm Judy Carmichael, the host and producer of Jazz Inspired. My production engineer is Curtis Heidolf. You can download podcasts of Jazz Inspired from iTunes or at TalkShoe.com and stream from our website at JazzInspired.com. Our opening music was Airmail Special, and the mid-break music is a smooth one from my CD, High on Fats and Other Stuff. The closing music is Old Fashioned Love from my CD trio. I'm on piano with Mike Hashem on sax and Chris Flory on guitar. For a schedule of upcoming programs, to sign up for our email newsletter, and to find out how you can personally support Jazz Inspired, visit our website at jazzinspired.com. You can email us at info at jazzinspired.com or visit us on Facebook and Twitter at Stride Queen. Judy Carmichael's Jazz Inspired is made possible with generous support from Steinway & Sons and from Sag Harbor Florist. Visit sagharborflorist.net. Special thanks to Gilda and Henry Block and the Ken Colker Foundation. For more information, visit judycarmichael.com. Dot com.